Welcome to the Almost Famous podcast, the show where we get the opportunity to talk to professionals at the top of their field in the music industry, discussing their journeys and experiences. On today's episode, I'm talking with Keely Hurd, also known as Sad Sugar. We chat about the big gender inequality issue in the club scene and their DIY ethos that helped them launch a radio station in Bristol. They're known for holding down residencies with ESO, Boiling Point, Nudes and Subtle Radio. So please enjoy my conversation with Keely Hurd. You're listening to Almost Famous, a music industry podcast championing independence powered by The Famous Company. Whether you're an artist or music industry professional, ensure you don't miss a beat by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. I'm very happy to welcome Keely Hood, aka Sad Sugar, onto the podcast. Did I say Keely right? Yeah, no, that's fine. I did, didn't yeah, I? Yeah, yeah, I'm quite happy about that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> in a seemingly short space of time, they have established themselves as a name in the music scene here in Bristol. They are a DJ, music educator with BIM and Causa Scene, community relations manager and a founder of Long Through Radio, an online community radio station that platforms a massive array of independent music and podcasts. Keely, welcome to Almost Famous. Thank you very much. I feel a little bit embarrassed now, actually, like hearing all that in the room. You know? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> That is me. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit more about your journey and how you've uh, forged your way into the music scene? Yeah, um, I could try. <laughs> I guess kind of obviously started, I, I work at BIM now, but I was studying there um, for my undergrad. I did professional, was it musicianship? Professional, I have to ask Cam because we that's how we met. Um, for everyone, by the way, Cam yeah. is our uh, <laughs> sound engineer who sat here just nodding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> Paint the picture. Um, yeah, no, I was actually, I was doing a law degree at first in Aberystwyth. So I'd like finished school, had a year out and then was like, yeah, cool. I'm going to be like a human rights worker because I was already doing loads of children's rights work back at home in Pembrokeshire. And I've grown up in like a really, really poor town like below the poverty line and obviously like being raised as a woman and stuff is just like nothing for anyone down there um but in that year out I was like I was interested in music I was playing guitar I was like you know singing in a few places doing like nice Amy Winehouse covers and you know kind of like the classic all the pub dads are like we're so good Do you want a pint um and then, yeah, I went to do my law degree and was like, this really ain't it. And I was like, I was doing well, but I, I couldn't really, I was, I just wasn't focusing, you know, I wasn't interested in it. I couldn't retain anything really seriously. I could like regurgitate information because my mind was just always on music. So I was like, yeah, I'm just going to maybe try and like get into a music course and Bim, my friend Jake had already got, Jake who I run long throw with had already gotten in to do like an events management course. And I was like, okay, well, maybe I could like try for the music thing. And if not, then I'll go and do the events management course because I'm sure that's fine. And I just like wrote this statement that was like, I don't have any music qualifications. I can't read theory. I don't even have a GCSE like or a grade one in anything, but I'll work really, really hard. And I promise I'll like, I'll go to every class and do everything. And they were like, yeah, okay, cool. Come. And then, uh, yeah, so I obviously came, did that, like fell in love with Bristol and the scene here is just like so diverse and has so much going on that I kind of threw myself into everything. And I was really into dance music anyway, but just like not at the level that 
I like thought I ever could be because obviously Bristol just showed me so much new stuff and I think already at the beginning of second year I was like I want to be a DJ <laughs> and uh my friend Aaron who is the other head of long throw there's three of us um like basically showed me like here's how you press play here's how you put track in like here's the faders and then I was just like hooked <laughs> and then yeah I finished my degree but basically like was a vocalist for the other two years but kind of everything that I was writing about in my course you know in all my modules was just about like that scene and me like throwing myself in more and more and more and then yeah just trying to like I was like if I can get a few gigs in some like pubs and bars and make like a little bit of money on the side then that's great and so I did like a few of those just before the lockdown hit and then obviously couldn't do anything and just spent like hours in my room mixing and trying to make radio shows for different people and then kind of came out of it like had a gig <laughs> um that my friend Fergus booked me for and then it just kind of I was like oh yeah actually like people kind of I didn't realize that the whole time that we were in lockdown I wasn't really seeing anyone that I was actually building a name I didn't really like clock it or know that anybody was listening and then you kind of come out of it and you go to a gig and people are like yeah no I heard you on this and like this and I really like that thing you did and I was like oh okay thanks and it's just kind of I still feel like I'm in a bit of a whirlwind from that like we did our master's degrees and that was when me and Jake set up long throw and obviously that helped as well because people like want to know who you are and like who the founders are and kind of touch base with you as well but yeah like every now and then I kind of like stop and look around and I'm like oh like I'm actually like this isn't just like a few pubs and bar gigs anymore like this is cool stuff that's happening yeah yeah so that's it in a nutshell I guess <laughs> amazing you said that you um you threw yourself into it the uh the DJ in especially during lockdown yeah but if we can just take it back ever so slightly you also mentioned didn't have a GCSE in music no didn't didn't really have an interest in music education prior to all this happening. no no but you jumped onto this and you you held on so strongly were you always like a go-getter as a as a youngster was that always your attitude with stuff or do you think that going into like uni and coming to a new city yeah. changed you? I think, um, I mean, I, I've, I've been thinking about it recently actually, cause I've obviously like been so busy and I'm really like settling into the busyness again. And I've realized that I've actually, I've always thrived with that. So I, like I said, I was doing lots of like children's rights work in school. So when I was, so my dad is a youth worker. And when I was 12, I was like, going along to youth club and stuff and he was like oh there's this like youth forum for the whole of our county that you can go to um I mean he was actually like there's a free buffet and I was like lit I'm there he, you know he's kind of like well you can just and, come and along with me these events yeah yeah exactly <laughs> he was like there's like really great fruit platters and I was like yo <laughs> sign me up and then I turned up and it was actually you know it was I don't think I'd ever really come across anything like that where somebody was like, oh, what's actually your opinion on this and what's your experience? So it was a lot of talking about, like I said, it's a really like, it's a really poverty stricken county, but there's like a huge class divide because there's lots of like holiday homes and like farmers down there. So it's, it's pretty much all conservative, but there's like a few towns like mine where everything's awful, nobody has anything. And I was like, oh, I'm what, you're going to like hear me talk about that? Like, and I can actually say what the fuck is happening and, mm. you know, maybe somebody will listen and maybe something will change. And that was kind of it from there. So then I was 
pretty much, yeah, so that was when I was 12. And then kind of until I was about 18, 19, I was doing loads of stuff with like that forum and then like a town forum. And I became the chair of that thing. And I was repping Pembrokeshire on like the Welsh youth assembly then. So there's like representatives from like every county. And I was working with the children's commissioner and I was working with like, like this three county wide, like safeguarding board. So I was doing a lot. So I think, yeah, I think I'm a go-getter with things I'm passionate about and then everything else kind of like falls off a little bit. Like my, my, the music thing, I couldn't really afford it anyway. Yeah, my dad bought me a guitar, but we couldn't afford lessons. It was like, right, well, just like teach myself like chord shapes online and stuff. But I had a music teacher who absolutely hated me. Oh. <laughs> she could not stand me. And Wanna I give her a shout out. <laughs> well, yeah, actually, because she's told my brother as well that he like can't, he hasn't got any rhythm when he's a drummer. He's just started like drumming. Right. So like out to Miss Lloyd, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. <laughs> yeah, Miss Lloyd, we're talking to you. <laughs> but um, yeah, she like, so those lessons were always on a Monday morning, like two hour and I just never turned up. I was always late to school, like that age. I was, you know, I was living with my mum at the time and like there's just loads of stuff that goes on in like those kind of times that people don't really realise impact you. Like I was a good student. I was like clever and I like to learn, but also, you know, there's like stuff going on at home where you've got to like take your sister to school in the morning and like help out in other ways and it's not like straightforward. And so I'd always turn up late on a Monday and she was like, yeah, you'll you're shit, you're useless, like nothing will ever come of that, you know. But I was, all, I also like had an ear. I'm really bad at music theory, but like with rhythm and stuff and just kind of like certain things of like picking up instruments and music, you know, I could listen to something and I was like, yeah, like this is really cool. Or, and I remember we did mock exams in year nine and I got like the highest in the in the year for the, for the music mock exam. And she was like, yeah, 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 like well done, but you won't be allowed to take it for GCSE. And I was like, okay. And so, yeah, there was like no Why? way. She was just like, there's just no way you could do it. I'm guessing, you know, and I probably turned up late to everything. And so she just didn't like me. And she was like, yep, you won't be doing it at GCSE. And I don't think I actually really could anyway, because I didn't have a grade. I wasn't in, like, you know, I, I didn't know theory. I'd never been trained in anything. So, yeah. but yeah, so it, it was kind of like took it off the table for me. I just kind of assumed that I couldn't really do it, mm. uh, but probably in a better way. Cause I was like, well, I'll just, you know, all right, cool, maybe I'll never be professional, so I'll just do the things that I want to do, which has probably actually served me better now to just, like, do it the way that feels natural to me rather than, like, trying to force myself down a specific, like, pathway with it, I guess. Yeah. I guess the burning question here, then, is um, how was the buffet? <laughs> well, I stayed there for a good few years, so yeah. it must have been must have been real great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was back when, you know, the government used to fund youth services. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, back in the glory days. <laughs> Guess we can call them glory days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, a couple of young people get a fruit platter and we're like, oh my God, thank you so much, government. Yeah. Can we have the actual services we need, by the way? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, and you will enjoy it. Yeah. Um, I guess now that music is your career, does it feel like a chore to you? or? No, music doesn't. I think the industry can be a bit tiring sometimes. In what way? I think just in like, particularly now, you know, like I'm pretty good at it. And I think it's definitely is a massive like contributor to where I am now, but like social media and kind of like understanding algorithms and pushing things in the right way. And also obviously like being like not a male, 
and kind of entering spaces and feeling unsafe at like really like you know just going to a gig and going to play and then being like mm, is this is this like an, an, a space I want to be in is this safe for me is like the promoter a good person and I'm not saying that like all promote like most of them especially in Bristol are really great but you know there's definitely been a few situations where I've not had a good time and there's definitely like some just demanding elements and you know like I, I like I said I, I really like to be busy and I'm like a go-getter or whatever and but definitely taking on so many gigs to try and get my name out there is and not really for a lot of pay at all is it's not just that about like knowing knowing your worth in terms of like your monetary value but also like your health and your time and like your friendships and your relationships around you which all kind of you know get impacted as well so I think yeah it's like there's like a grind culture in the industry now when you have to be like seen to be doing things all the time Hmm. um and now it's kind of hard for me to get out of that I'm trying to like I've only just recently like the past few weeks been like okay like I am a DJ (laughs) and I'm like good at what I do and you know people like it and I'm you know like I've got like a really nice amount of success that I'm really proud to have and I'm really happy about and also then go like okay I'm, I'm allowed to like not say I'm allowed to say no to gigs as well that I don't want to do and I'm also allowed to say like actually I need to be paid more which yeah is like just trying to navigate all that and not feel like really guilty and uh yeah have all these kind of like worries and concerns and kind of bending over backwards I think that's like the tiring part but then I go and play a gig like even if I go in and say and this is totally hypothetical now but say like the space is horrible and like the promoter is not being very nice or something like I still have such a great time then when I go up and I play and I'm just like okay cool yeah like that's part is still super super fun for me so yeah and I still go out quite a lot and yeah I'm still like really hungry for music all the time which is really nice I think yeah 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 I promise I'll move on to something a little bit more positive in a second but you said you said about sometimes it's um there's been bad experiences with promoters and you say they're not being really nice do you you mind just giving me a little bit more information on that like for example because as 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 a male in this music Mm. industry I've also come across bad promoters I've done I did an interview with Girls Against actually who are a great charity um here in the UK and we talked about it, it let's just call it inappropriate touching basically that I ended up having at a show whilst I was on stage and so like I've come across certain things from my experience, but I'd love to know more about maybe your bad experiences yeah. with promoters or bars or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's horrible as well. And I'm like, really sorry that happened. Oh, it's okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of like similar situations, you know, just, I mean, it happens more in like, it's really hard because like this is an industry and particularly like, you know, underground music culture is like really unregulated. Like there's no there's like there's no HR you don't you don't go to someone and go like well this person's just said this to me and like can you do something about it so it might even just be you know that like maybe maybe someone in the crowd has like touched me or you know said something really inappropriate to me and then trying to like go to the promoter and go like I actually want that person kicked out I don't want them here I don't want them to be at my set I don't want them to look at me and you know they're like well it happens you know it's like that kind of language it's like what happens get over it and it's like well you haven't got to deal with it I do Mm. you know or like people like mansplaining the decks to me I played a gig yeah this is like I feel like this might have been like just before the pandemic really like before lockdown and like there was a bit of a frenzy you know I I remember it being that time where it was like oh maybe this is one of the last gigs we're gonna do and um I turned up to this gig and 
the, the promoter has met me before and knew that I could play and knew that I played out. This like I wasn't playing out loads at the time, so still quite like early days, but he's seen me play before, so he knows I can like use the decks. And I turned up and he was like, yeah, the, I turned up to this to this space and they had this huge bass bin and it was just so unnecessary. Like, you know, when you haven't thought about the audio, actual like, you know, the quality of it in the space. It's like mm -hmm. you don't need a huge bass bin for like a room that's shaped like this because it sounds terrible and you need to keep it super low or whatever. I came in and, you know, I go up to set up and the guy like comes up and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The bass bin is a bit loud. I was like, yeah, can I, do you want me to go? And he's like, no, no, no. So, um, and he like points to me like the EQ on the mixer. And he's like, yeah, so, you know, this is how you turn the bass down if it gets too loud in here. And he was just like, that just like, that's the bass. And I'm like, right. Did you fucking butch me? I don't think I knew how to use a DJ mixer. Like I've come to play a set and you're like telling me where the EQ is and how, and like literally turning it, like, yeah, just turn it that way. Like, Right. Well, so on zero, does that mean it's right at the bottom? Does it? Like you may. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Is, is that the loudest? Really? Oh, yeah. thank you so much. I just would have been so confused otherwise. Now, quick question: Does it go one, two, six? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is or... that is that is that okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I want a red line the whole time, right? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. Yeah, just things like that. And you know, even now, like like we run the station, and people, there are like people that have tried to ask about like us doing a takeover or something and they'll ask like a resident and they'll be like can you organize this like this long throw takeover and it's like well and then the resident will come to us and it's like well it's our it's our station so like and I'll message and be like yo can you can you speak to me about it like we've met before as well and he's been like oh what and it's you and it's like, yeah and it's like oh and he's like well who else do you run it with and then I'll mention the two boys and then it'll be like, right, well, all the questions then get directed to the boys. You know, like the three of us will go out somewhere or we've been at like, you know, kind of industry talks and events and stuff. And people will be like, oh, yeah. And they, they like I could be stood in the middle of the two boys and it's like they will not make eye contact with me, you know, and the boys pick it up as well. So they're like, well, we're not really going to work with them because why aren't they talking to you? Yeah. So just like things like that, like these assumptions that you're not that you can't. Yeah. That you they like, oh yeah, just like the girlfriend. Like people are like, Oh yeah, you're Jake's girlfriend and like you're Aaron's girlfriend. I'm like, No, I'm like the fucking co founder. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh it's like why would you even just like immediately assume that? Like, well, because we see you together all the time. I'm like, Yeah, so wouldn't you assume then that maybe I'm part of like long throw? Yeah. So yeah, just like weird. Or well, if you like were that. in a relationship, wouldn't you assume that I've got better things to do? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, like those like I I did a keep hush during like during the lockdown um when they couldn't do like live things you know with like people in there anymore but they still wanted live streams and they did a keep hush one and like to be fair keep hush were really on it like monitoring the comments but obviously there's like loads of comments coming in all at once on the youtube thing and it's just like you know there are people like talking about my tits in it and stuff and like i'm like dancing around trying to have a good time and people like yeah and they're like yeah no like they can't mix they're just you know, they're just there because they've got big boobs or whatever. And it was like, yeah, sure. So now you're just actually slating Keep Hush as well. <laughs> like, just that's that's not what's happening here. And then Keep Hush found it and, like, shut it down and literally were like, yeah, no, none of that. Yeah. But, you know, that is that is just a kind of general a general thing, you know. And, yeah, the whole the whole industry, there's just parts of – and it's not – it's not everyone and it's not all the time and it is like really, really rare occasions, but when it does happen, it makes a big impact. Mm. So yeah, that's, I think that's kind of like the general gist of it. Even just things like people, you know, other, other DJs when that like, like boys have come on and then said to me like, oh, that was actually all right, wasn't it? 
okay why and like I've been the headline like they're the warm-up you know and like, yeah it's actually right or then you know they'll like lean over it'll be like 10 minutes until my set's about to end but they're like oh, I'm just gonna put my USB in now and just like start and I'm like okay well I'm still kind of finishing up here and it'll be like you know hands on my waist or a little hand on my my ass like lean over and put it in and I'm like what and I don't really want to kick off because you know there's like a room for the people looking at you and I don't want to be the person then to turn around and be like can you fuck off please but yeah, yeah I think just things like that microaggressions I guess yeah but they do stick out in your mind clearly yeah so, yeah and then and that's what needs to change yeah even despite it maybe being a one out of 10 mm. or 20 occasions it, it's just it's just not right yeah Talk, talking about lineups though as well then so that the music industry as a whole as, especially when it comes to uh festivals or tours and stuff there's there's a major gender gap and equality problem when it comes to those billings so uh, why do you think it's even a thing and, and knowing that there's an issue out there how do you think it can be fixed it goes it goes way back to be honest like like this kind of feminization of anything is always seen as negative especially like the underground culture so you, you know in like the 90s when you kind of got like the summer of love and stuff and all these like really cool genres being created and then there was that term of like handbag house and everybody was like, yeah, handbag house and handbag house is shit. And it's like, you add a feminine thing to the front of it. And that's like, cause it was like, yeah, cause like girls come and enjoy it, you know? And there's like this weird expectation that, you know, if you come along to a motive in like a little dress or whatever, that's like, we're not here for the music. It's like, just like really, really, really small things like that. And, you know, you can't, you can't be what you don't see. So when that, attitude has been like prolific since the start of this whole like cultural movement it permeates into absolutely everything so you know like you've got early days of people being like yeah well you know we're not no girls girls can't mix girls can't do that do other you know whatever it you know it goes like dance music culture has like really strong roots in hip-hop like especially in bristol you know you had like Windrush generation come over bring over like shabeen sound system culture and then they have kids who uh, you know, kind of quoting it, like semi-quoting El Sweatshirt, but it's like too British, too British to identify with the Jamaican thing and then too black to be like allowed to be in, in British culture. Yeah. Um, you know, like, so these people are trying to find identity and the big thing that impacted that was seeing like hip hop culture on the rise in America and obviously like early hip hop as well was all men doing it women trying to get into hip-hop that was like massively you know everyone's like yeah girls can't girls can't rap girls can't do this that and the other especially when all the lyrics are about like yeah fuck my bitch and then I slap her and it's like Ugh. hmm um so you know and that's all like always permeated in as well so it's just kind of like it's in the it's in the genetic code of like all these subgenres and things that have come out of one another so it, it's kind of like you know trying to tackle years and years of systemic misogyny um but yeah the, the big thing is that like representation like you can't you can't be what you don't see so the thing is to just like people could go like oh yeah well I would book a woman for this or I would book but like there there just aren't any there's like a very there's like a very kind of big person in the culture in Bristol who I've heard say like oh yeah I'd, I'd like book a woman to play Roots and Dub but I just don't know any women that play Roots and Dub and I'm like well I can name five of them <laughs> so that doesn't say anything about the scene. It says like how much of 
how much like you're ignorant like you you've put you've put yourself on this pedestal in the local industry to know loads of people and be like yeah I know everyone and I'm like a curator and all this and if you can't name like five women when I can then it doesn't really say a lot about you as like a promoter and a curator and then obviously that whole thing like women no I just don't know enough women that, that do it or I don't know enough like you know any other gender minorities and it's like well maybe if they could actually see somebody like them do it as well that would encourage them to do it too like that's usually the trigger point I think it was probably that for me being like oh you know that attitude where I was like I'll just play in a few like clubs and bars and then I saw like some really really incredible like women and non-binary people do like ridiculous sets and I was like okay it is possible then like I can do that and I can get respect for it but I was also you know at the same time on the other side of that like you see the representation and then you look at like the comments of something and you see the same woman getting you know somebody might have seen like my key push set and gone like oh that's someone who kind of looks a bit like me and is a bit like me and plays like music. Maybe I could see that. And then they would look in the comments and see somebody making, you know, jibes about my chest and then be like, mm, actually, I'm going to stay away from that. So it's like targeting each like small part of the culture to like make up the wider thing and make it more inclusive, which is like the whole thing for us with long throw. It was like, that's, that's like the main thing of what we do is being inclusive and being accessible and I think part of it as well is you know there's like this culture around everything around like the whole kind of underground music thing of being like not just being a man and being that but all the things associated with it like how you dress and what is considered appropriate dress and like the attitude and like the words that you use the slang the way you say things yeah yeah safety you know you could I can't come in you know I wouldn't go into like a big space like that and be like hi guys <laughs> Please it do. Yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> well, this is the thing though. So like that is kind of part of what I'm trying to do is is, is like recognising that as well in myself and going like, hmm, am I, you know, kind of like switching the way I'm acting to try and be more palatable? Mm. So like I've been to play, I'm a, a resident with like ESO crew um, who are really, really wicked and like super conscious and stuff. And But that crowd is a lot of like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of Brits? Yeah, I play a lot of Brits, so still like those kind of guys and it's like all head to toe Carhartt, you know, and like tiny rolled up hats. And I've gone to play and had like this like super dramatic birdcage veil on and like a beret and just come and like been really camp in the space because it shakes them up and it makes them go like, oh yeah, actually you don't need to look and dress and say things like us to be accepted and still, you know, and to be into this type of music. So like, yeah, it's part of breaking down those kind of, stereotypes I guess I don't think stereotypes but like cultural norms maybe um and kind of making people real like it's weird especially in Bristol for a scene that's so diverse that there are still those like real pockets of, and like expectations like that so I think it's kind of like throwing people off and and that you know with long throw we're like yeah you know it's not really any kind of like airs and graces about it we're like be silly be funny like do whatever you want to do it doesn't have to be music by the way it can be like any creative thing you know, and we encourage you to have like a kind of weird and wild idea and to do different things because that's the only way that you like break down this idea of what radio is and who can do it. And, you know, we have a lot of like really, really great artists. A lot of them are women or like non-binary, transgender, they're queer, like, and they are allowed to, ex like they can do whatever they want, that hour is theirs, but they can express that as much as they want to or like not express that as well. Because it's a similar thing, like, you know, it's like two sides of the same coin, like, when I'm saying that like all these subcultures have like their weird kind of like really set routines, it's quite similar in the queer scene. It's like 
people will book me because I'm like a queer artist and then we'll be like oh yeah so you're gonna play like industrial techno and like I don't play industrial techno I'm not really don't really like it not saying that like personally it, there's nothing wrong with with any genre but personally for me that's not what I like to dance to and it's not what I like to play but people are like but you're but you're queer and I'm like yeah and I like to play like UK bass music like oh so you know and all of those things it has you know just like you have this one identifier and everyone kind of like places all these ideas of what that means on you and we're like yeah and no, I don't do any of that do what you want to do mm. so yeah I think that's like it's gonna take years and years and years but you know even with things now like I think like the whole move to I mean maybe maybe like, like I live in an echo chamber as well but the whole thing about pronouns like that wasn't that wasn't a normal thing before but kind of we did something different and shook it up and now things have changed so like you kind of have to be the first person to go actually now I'm gonna just do it like this and then like hope for the best I guess yeah also not not to take it back but it has been running through my mind um handbag house sounds awesome by the way if that was supposed to be something quite like to put people down i'd go to an event yeah yeah exactly that's that's and everybody loves handbag house you know like yeah but like particularly in the queer scene but everyone you put on you put on like uh crystal waters she's homeless everybody's got their arms in the air and they do 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 like how could you slate that you know just like the affiliation of it being like oh my god maybe there'll be like women there Oh no, that's it. It's trash. Like, <laughs> yeah. God. It, and it, it's from the idea of like putting your handbag in, like, you know, the girls like put their handbags in the middle of the circle and then dance around them. Right. Um, and that was like, that was what turned it so negative. They were like, yeah, if anybody puts a handbag on the floor. But like, you know, it's really, really bizarre. Really bizarre. Well, apparently they've got something against handbags, but yeah. I'll throw mine down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. <laughs> um, we know that Bristol is actually a city that has like a number of great educational opportunities for women and non-binary people, um, such as uh, Saffron Records that runs courses in, in music tech. What else can be done to address the issue, though, there? The, 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 the Basically, how can we make that a more widespread educational tool? I think um, just making it way more intersectional as well. So like not just considering the gender divide, but like, you know, for me, it wasn't just like being raised as a girl. It's also like growing up on the poverty line. You know, it's like the area that I I grew up in as well, like the attitudes around that, you know, like questioning my sexuality and being, you know, like in some, particularly like for me growing up, you know, being in mainly, even if it was like an all women space, if they're all straight women, they kind of have like a weird aversion to you. It's like, oh, you know, Q's going to fancy me. And it's like, no. Um, so just like things like that, I think it's, you know, and it is like a massive challenge as well. And it's a lot to consider and I get that. But, you know, then when you only like say you have a course, but it costs like £300 to do the course, then you are still only like achieving some kind of equilibrium for like, rich white women you know because and also like you know we were talking about this earlier but particularly you know black and minority ethnicities are kind of like you know life is harder for them like it's like so much harder to get a job for like these bizarre systemic racist reasons Mm. which means it's really hard to get like a higher income so like the majority of people who are like working class are also like black or a minority ethnicity so like things like that so then you are still only kind of catering to this really small pool of people so a lot of it and i know it is really hard but it is like 
community focused stuff encouraging like vicarious learning like cascade tra like training as well or cascade learning where you know even if if you're a guy and you have a friend who is a, a woman or a non-binary person or a transgender person who goes like oh, I'm interested in this and you have the skills to show them like even a little bit of that then do it you know they shouldn't have to like chase down this like expensive group space where it's like a little bit more difficult to learn because you haven't got that one-on-one -on -one thing like give them a little bit of something let them go from there and then also like they can hand that on to their friends to their friends to their friends and then you know it it doesn't need to like like I said with Aaron you know literally going okay here's how you press play on the deck and here's like the faders and this is an EQ and then just like gave me the space to practice whenever I wanted to and didn't come in and go like oh yeah um let me show you how to do it. it was just like yeah like cool I can hear you're getting better like if you need me to help you like just let me know if there's anything I can do like that was way more beneficial to me clearly than you know maybe like having to pay a couple of hundred quid to go to a course and I'm not slating those courses at all like they are so beneficial like and they are really and like you know groups like Saffron Records all that are doing amazing work and you I've met so many like other female non-binary DJs that have come from those courses and been like it's incredible and that's great but also there are people that would like to go to things like that that just can't for whatever reason so mm. it and it's not like having to make one space that is unified and accessible for like absolutely everyone because that is impossible and I'd love it if that was a thing but it's just like recognizing those little gaps and going like okay well how specifically then can we cater to that little community and to that little community and like setting up initiatives like that and also just on a one-on-one -on -one thing like whatever the community can the community can offer like do so so that's what we're going to try and do with like long throw now what PRSC have given us the space um and then we're also going to be running workshops downstairs in their like big exhibition space and you know it's not like I can't give like a comprehensive mixing course but I can do one sh workshop in the month that's like yeah like come and just like have a go and you know in the weeks it's like if you want to just come and have a little practice then do that as well because booking space at Pirate Studios is really expensive like buying your own deck setup at home is really expensive so it's just like finding little ways to help those people access things in like whatever whatever way they can shift and spheres are really good at it as well like I helped Rue out with one of her courses a little while back and they you know it's like a good few hours but basically what Rue does is just like yeah like kind of similar to what Aaron did for me was like here's how you like you use this equipment these are the basics um and then you have a go and it's like just the more you practice you know obviously the easier it'll get and when you're playing music of of your own and Rue just kind of is like yeah so here's here's that for you and then just gives them space to learn and we gas them up and you know we're like yeah I, I remember like losing my voice actually when I did it because somebody would like get like the track in they would beat match it and I would kept screaming like babies first blend you know and there's like a dance right and we're all just like dancing around and that's like that's what it should be just like a really really nice environment that especially because it's music that's like why people do it to connect and like have a good time and so it you know it doesn't need to be this big structured like scary thing just like do what you can where and when you can I guess mm -hmm. for people who are listening right now who think you know what I think I could be a better ally to women and non-binary people in the music industry where can they start with that how can they how can they make a difference I think it's just like what once you even start thinking about it it really changes like your perception or maybe what you're picking up in the things that you're engaging in because I think there are people like I said you know people who are like 
oh, just like women don't play that or like women don't do that. And there's actually loads of talent that they're really, that they're overlooking or they might have seen, but they haven't, they didn't really think to clock or like, you know, they see somebody walk on stage and like, oh, well, that's not who I wanted to watch anyway. And maybe there's a little bit of that internalized, like actually they're not a man or something, so I'm not going to bother. Mm. Um, I think just kind of like making that conscious decision to just start engaging with other talent more and just like, you know, there's just supporting them, like just going and actually like dancing at their sets, um, giving them like a follow on social media and stuff, because that naturally leads you on to seeing more and more people like that as well. Because, you know, like obviously naturally we kind of engage more with people who are like us as well. So I play a lot of sets with like a lot of other queer people, a lot of women, a lot of non-binary people. And so like if you follow me on Instagram, you'll see those people as well and maybe be like intrigued to just like build the network of of like what you know and then from that you know just just like just book people and have your intentions like I said you know you're just making a conscious decision to actually go am I really being an ally or am I like going through the motions as well because there are people that or promoters or whatever or brands who you know that like tokenism is just as rife and tokenism is probably less helpful mm. than actually just like being like oh, I'm not going to book these people then anyway because it it's really exploiting people like maybe like I don't know if I want to phrase it exactly like this but maybe before when you didn't book me just because you didn't want to book like you know because you only think that men can do this thing then you were just ignoring me but now you're actually like exploiting and like cashing in on me and my identity which feels way worse and you know it means that you don't people like you know you could book someone just because they're a, a woman but like maybe they're not appropriate for that gig maybe that you know they don't play that type of music maybe the crowd won't like them. So it kind of actually sets you back further. So just like genuinely go into it. Like if you're a promoter, for example, like, oh yeah, I could probably do a book in some more women. Like actually research it then. And to be honest, there are like plenty of us doing this thing. And there are plenty of women, non-binary trans, you know, black, Asian, minority, ethnicity, people doing like roles in every industry. And like, you can find them. You're just like not, really looking and you know so like but people actually or like give people jobs for their talent and their skill rather than being like all right cool well there we go there's that and yeah have like actual in intention and also like pay us the same <laughs> like as a kind of really really basic thing don't then book you know that is tokenistic as well don't be like all right great need a woman oh need someone who isn't a male great uh there's da 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 well I'm paying like 30 quid and it's like no I know that the headline is getting 200 pound yeah it's like well there's not enough in the budget and I'm like well make money in the budget then because you're not it's not you're not doing anything for anyone and you're not if you're looking just... for 200 if no. the headline is getting 200 but you're looking for if you're bringing people as yeah well. I'm looking for something equitable that you yeah. know is like relevant to the slot that I'm playing yeah but exactly yeah like you're not doing anything for anyone and like people will give themselves a big old pat on the back then they'll be like oh look we booked a woman like great stuff it's like mm, yeah cool like well and then you know and the same thing like maybe you don't somebody booked me well somebody tried to book me actually on international women's day for a gig that was happening in like two days time and it was that I was like clearly what's happened here is that you've gone on social media and gone oh yeah women exist <laughs> People who aren't male exist and I should probably, I'm seeing loads of people comment about, you know, gender inequality in the industry. Maybe I should probably do something about that. Quick, find someone not male. Yeah. And again, that was for like an industrial techno set. And I was like, well. If they were honest with you though, say they went, oh, I see that it's International Women's Day in two days. 
um, you know what, actually, we've never done this before. We could put on a show kind of last minute. Let's see who's out there. If they go, if they called you up or spoke to you and said, by the way, this wasn't in the plan, but we saw it. We do want to be a part of it. Would you be willing to be a part of it? Then you might be more inclined than no, 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 we, we, we've always wanted to do this kind of thing because people mm. don't book a show two days in advance. Yeah. But you're right with the whole cashing in thing because Pride Month comes up, comes around and oh, yeah. I, I don't know, I don't get why we see so many rainbow flags in that, in that moment. Yeah. Like I said, our, our boss, Matt, he's very proudly gay and very proudly, uh, I guess, I don't even know what the term this is here with all these Royal Britannia flags in front of me. <laughs> uh, but he loves the Jubilee and all this kind of stuff. And he's very proudly everything. And so if he wanted to come in right now draped in a, in a pride flag, he would do it. It doesn't yeah. have to be the month. Yeah. But I see a lot of these other companies yeah. going, um, yeah, we're celebrating this and celebrating that. And you probably have the same point. We'll pay everyone the same yeah. and stop being so, well, I guess, obvious in your branding. Mm. And just and, tokenistic. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's it. Like if you're going to do it now, then why aren't you doing it for the other 11 months of the year? Exactly. You know, it's the same with like, yeah, people like oh yeah like black black history month and people like we'll push loads of stuff like oh yeah we're supporting like the black people in our industry and stuff and then it's like cool and then as soon as that month is over it's like black people stop existing like oh no they don't they don't need rights anymore for the rest of the year like they had their month yeah you know like i kept making a joke with uh this person that i work with it was like trans trans visibility day be visible (laughs) <laughs> oh no good i'm visible today everyone like cool and then the next day then what happens you, you get know? to go to the front of the queue yeah yeah oh, thank you like it's pretzel day like yeah, 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 yeah. exactly tomorrow back in yeah the yeah exactly it's just like that's the thing is like, it is it's tokenism it's like cool great you you profit way more from that than we have, and especially if you're not paying us the same even for one event but like you know it needs it's consistent like if you want to change if you want to be an ally and you want to change, like it, it takes work and it takes like commitment and you have to go like, all right, cool. Like, and it's really easy, you know, as well for me to just say that because I've tried to be as conscious as possible and like, but I'm still learning as well. And, you know, it's not, it's, it's a privilege as well to, to like, to be the person that probably, you know, has been consulted by a lot of people now on this, but I still have to be open and learning and think, and like things change. And there's definitely like language that I've used before that hasn't been right. And I've like had to apologize for it and like rightfully so. And people can still call, call me out. And like, I appreciate that. And I think those people, like you're saying, if somebody messaged me and was like, Hey, yeah, realize it's international women's day. Like haven't actually booked any women for a while. Um, would you want to come and do this thing then? I'm glad that they're coming to it with like integrity and honesty and being like, I haven't really considered this, but also for me, it would take a bit more in terms of like seeing some kind of commitment and being like, okay, well, can I chat about this with you as well? You know, maybe sometimes people have messaged me and been like, oh um, yeah, I want to book you for this. Do you know any other like BIPOC people who would want to do it? And I'm like, well, obviously I do. Like, that's not my job, though. You don't get, you don't then, like, if you want to book me as a promoter, if you want to hire me as, like, part of your team to do that, then, yeah, great. But you don't just get, you know, like, that's your job. If you want to be a curator and, like, part of the industry, then invest time into it. Like, dedicate yourself to it. Don't just, you know, you have, like, the same five mates the same five white boys that play the same tunes and they all play with each other and then you go to like 
different nights under different headings, but you see the same lineup over and over again. You're just doing everyone else a disservice, including yourself and the scene, because then you're like, well, this isn't a scene anymore. This is the same five dudes and it's the same set over and over and over again every other week. Like, I want to see something fresh. Like, where where is that? And like, people don't realize how much they're missing out on when they just blatantly ignore talent. Like, daytimers, daytimers absolutely killed it. You know, like, I think probably it was midway through the pandemic when they released their first VA comp and it's all um, South Asian, South Asian artists that create stuff and put it on there. And then, you know, it obviously blew up and they did their boiler room and like... That was such new stuff, you know, like Bangra infused underground music and like things that were sat, like they were simply, some of them are just playing Bollywood tunes, like in the middle of a set of Bollywood tune. You know, most Bollywood tunes like were like 150 BPM and they go hard. <laughs> and like, you know, nobody really, nobody was doing that. Like maybe somebody like every now and then has like chucked that in, but like, and now it's part, it's become part of the culture again. It's like fresh. Like, you know, we were at Zog's yesterday for the birthday and there are people that are integrating tunes like that into all of their sets because... It's like, fuck yeah, something new. Like, we need that. Like, keep that going. That only keeps making the scene more interesting and, and making it grow rather than letting it stagnate. Like, Bristol two years ago was stagnating. Like, right before the pandemic, before Strange Brew opened, before Mickey Zogs opened, and there was, like, safer spaces for people. You know, they're not they're not specifically, like, queer spaces or, like, you know like black spaces or anything they're just safe and so everybody goes there loads of people are integrating and doing different things and then like suddenly this whole really cool new scene like has just become super refreshed and it's really nice to be in Bristol again so like you know that take that as an example like it's not just cool we did one event and now it's done like you're doing everyone a disservice by just doing that I guess yeah yeah I love the fact that you said about building like a, a fresh scene um it feels like a running theme with with you and uh it's aaron and jacob mm. along through yeah you built up a really tight community of both broadcasters and listeners music is is always something that's brought people together but can we talk about the importance of that then in your world and what that really means to you especially as a dj yeah i i think that for me, like as an individual and then the way that it ties into long throw is that like, you know, that whole attitude, like it takes a village. And, you know, there's obviously I've got like loads of roots in like community work and stuff anyway. But like for me, I probably wouldn't be anywhere near like doing what I'm doing now if there weren't people around me like gassing me up and telling me like to go for it. And people who were offering me advice like for free and people who were like, yeah, like come and practice with me or come to this space or come and do this or were showing me new people and like showing me new music and, you know, like giving me a little like masterclass and stuff and tasters. So like, I mean, Keely is a person like, you know, the sad sugar identity, I guess, is like, it's like kind of many, many people, like loads of stuff that I've taken from different places, like kind of all pushed into one thing. And um, I think that, you know, from that you also see the the gaps and see like I really couldn't get help over there and that's like the thing with long throw now is us like filling filling those gaps and like building community um and I just I don't even I don't even know really what like the main kind of drive for it is is just the the, the knowledge that like that breeds new things and like there's no plan for it it's just like let people connect and create a space where people can do that and learn things from each other and see what happens and let people go with that and like that we can't really take credit for that like that's those people that that do those things and you know it kind of like happens under your nose almost where you, you don't even clock it as 
like all these kind of creative identities and ideas and different things coming together but you know like I kind of had a little I don't know audit I guess of like some of the projects that have kind of come out of long throw um the other week and it was like god like damn you know like we've got three residents that created a brand together Neve from break the night um Fkia who does like arm and pseudo sounds and then um Becky whose show name is trade to be I don't know if that's their DJ name now as well um but they run the Belladonna Collective together which is all about you know having like women non-binary transgender people who don't maybe have a space to to play like music like I play like really dark kind of heavy heavy stuff um who are maybe kind of pushing into like the, the queer light scene or whatever like that came you know that happened and it, it happened in our noses and like it suddenly they, they pushed this brand and we were like oh my god that's like three of our long throw babies and then they brought in Kate Havoc to come and do the visuals and we were like shit like okay because maybe they wouldn't I'm not saying that it's like down to us but maybe they wouldn't have been able to connect as well because of that you know people are listening to each other's shows and going like oh yeah okay cool maybe maybe I could do something like that and then you know we had a resident Sam who made a video for us which is like really really gorgeous and then we have somebody who doesn't like he plays shows every now and then but he's part of the long through community like in a really strong way just without having a show slip drifter who is like an artist um he did like this 3d render of this video just kind of like as a little side project that he wanted to do and he made some really cool gifts for us for the instagram and just little like roots into some nice like creative little projects that maybe people can have like breathing room with that they didn't have before like having an intention with something and knowing that somebody actually might like see it or want to hear it or do something like that because I think as well it's really hard to encourage yourself to be creative or to meet other people if you you know if you don't have like a platform for it it's really hard for me to make music when I always think like nobody's gonna like it but just having that kind of integrated space there it's it's not just like the radio it's the socials that we have it's you know um the, the like online platform that we all have together privately things like that that just like breathe even just in themselves or with other people like breathe kind of like new ideas yeah and I I don't know I I just think that I I don't know I, I it's really hard to describe because I, I don't feel like it is ours like me and Jake and Aaron like facilitate long throw but long throw and its community is its own its own entity we're just there to help like help it kind of plod along but it's really like those people that are making it happen and like doing things for us and help like even just the fact that we have a studio space like PRC is a community-led initiative and that in itself they like offered us they offered us the space we were looking for it for ages like that's kind of everything in long throw is us being like can like kind of want to do this thing and like trying to like piece it together with like because like we're not for profit we don't have any funding like we kind of pulled it all together ourselves and been like well, we kind of need these things and I don't know if it's going to work, but if we just keep like hoping and like being positive and like, you know, like building this community, then people will come and support us. And then it's been like a year and we have this space and we have like 80 residents and you're like kind of turning around and being like, oh yeah. And it's all come from people just being like, yeah, I'll, I'll chip in. Yeah, nice. It's just like nice to do things together. And like, especially after like a pandemic and being so isolated, I think that people like, people forget how, lovely it feels to be a part of something um and I think like that's kind of where long has this really like strong identity as its own entity identity entity I got a little <laughs> bit lost on my way there I was getting a bit like oh, yeah. dreaming about my little long throw baby 
Uh, that's some amazing stuff. Um, before I go with the last question, then um, I'd like to uh, roll out the red carpet for you. Let us know what you're going to be doing online. Where can we find you? Oh. And also live and in living color. Tell us more about Sad Sugar, the events that are coming up okay. and <laughs> what else is happening in Keely's life. So, well, you can find Long Throw at longthrow.live and we air every weekend Saturdays and Sundays 11 till 10 and we're just pushing out our schedule to Friday evenings as well so you can listen or if you want to show come and apply we've got loads more room now that we've expanded the schedule and we take ideas for anything like it doesn't have to be music we have people that are doing like not even podcasts but just setting up setting up an interview situation in like a random public space and inviting people to come down and like broadcast it live and things like that um we have people that do spoken word whatever or if you want if you're interested in broadcasting and want to like be on the behind the scenes we're also taking volunteers um and if you want to learn anything from any of our residents who are each like running i'm running a dj workshop we have a friend who's coming to do um like a master class on doing your taxes as a creative we're going to be doing like some printing workshops, things like that. So you can like follow us on the Instagram and keep up to date with that. It's just at Long Throw Radio, L-O-N-G-T-H-R-O-W, because people are always like, what throw? Low throw? <laughs> Bong throw? <laughs> um, so yeah, that's, that's the plan with that. And we're going to be doing a social again soon. Oh, and on June 12th, we are doing a collab event with Beats and Liquor, who are like this really fun DJ battle thing in London that I did in December. Um, and basically the whole concept of it is to like put two DJs against each other. You can play any genre at any time and they have to each like throw each other off. So, you know, they might be playing like a 140 tune and then somebody plays like, you know, some like old Arabic hymn. Um, and like if the mix ain't hot, you take a shot. So it's just like super fun. That's all day at PRSC on June 12th. You can just like drop in, have a drink, call out some like clangs and go boo, take a shot. Um, that'll be really fun. Then I'm playing, I'm playing tonight actually. Ooh. I mean, I mean, this will go out after this, but I'm playing tonight at Crofter's Rights. Let's, for, let's pretend like it happened. Yeah. It? Yeah, great. So <laughs> yeah. killer. Got really sweaty. Everybody had a good time. Yeah, good. And then playing Glastonbury, playing at Shangri-La uh, on the Selector Hood stage. So if any of you at Glastonbury come through there, I will probably have my tits out dancing around to some garage. <laughs> and I'm playing at Fields of Fantasy Festival uh, and a couple of like secret small festivals around the place. But if you follow me on Instagram at underscore sad sugar underscore, um, you can probably like find out, find out where I am. And then I'm going to Berlin in October to do another round of Era Music. If anybody is in Berlin, happens to be listening and doesn't know about those guys, um, drop them a follow. They do loads of really, really great stuff, like helping young young women, non-binary and transgender people get into like tech and music. And they do like some really, really cool things like building like MIDI controllers out of trash and like loads of cool stuff. I'm trying to think of everything else, anything else that I need to squeeze in. Yeah, otherwise I'm just, you know, I'm doing my PG cert in October to start like actually fully lecturing at BIM in the future or somewhere else in the future. And yeah, if you want to book me, <laughs> I've got some time from July onwards, but like I, you know, you have to pay Doesn't me. Doesn't sound like it. Yeah, I've got, I've got some time. <laughs> so yeah, drop me a message on Instagram or send me an email um, and we can configure something, but I want to be paid 
rightfully for my slot. That's all I'll send out to the world. Yeah. Uh, yeah, cool. You can book me, but you have to pay me. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Of cool. course. Cool. Yeah. Um, amazing. All right. So my last question for you then. Uh well, first of all, thank you so much for coming. No, today. thank you for having me. Sorry. It's been one of our uh first um face to face interviews that we've done in a while. Nice. Um so it feels good to have someone in the room with us as yeah, well. Yeah, no, and thank you. No, it's it's been it's been I, it, not only has it been eye opening, but um I love the positivity, the encouragement. So if anyone takes anything away from this, I, I really hope it is no. that. Oh, I hope so. But my last question for you is what advice would you give to your younger self? Knowing that music wasn't always the uh, the first thing in your mind. Um, who was the school teacher again? Uh, Miss Lloyd. Miss Lloyd. So you, you're there. <laughs> the people Why are you on her? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was a fist that Keely made. Um, please don't beat up old women. No, I don't know where she is anymore and I'm not even bothered by it. Let's I don't even want to know. <laughs> but yeah, for um for for that person then, yeah. um what what would you say to them uh knowing everything you know now? I think oh god, there's like so much I would say. <laughs> like brush your teeth more, one thing. Uh don't run into a car and smash your two front teeth out like I did when I was 17. Uh I think mainly just like I don't know I don't know how to summarize this very well, but you know, like kind of where you come from or this idea that society has about you doesn't predetermine who you are or what your capabilities are. So I think, you know, I obviously am like really, really, really happy with my journey as well. So I can't, can't say that there's much that I like actually regret, but I just wish that I'd maybe um, invested in myself a little bit more in terms of like believing in my capabilities and like know your worth as well. And know your worth like I said earlier in terms of just like not just your money but your health and relationships and you know just trust the process it's, it feels like really like cliche things to say but like the older I get the more that I'm like oh yeah remember my dad like giving me loads of cliche advice when I first started uni and you know like oh yeah yeah yeah. and now I'm just like turning into my dad and I'm just like yeah I fully invest in all these cliche ideas but you know they're like things work out as they should and they do tend to like fall into place if you just if you're passionate about it then just like keep rolling with it and kind of trust that the hard work will pay off so <sighs> brings a tear to my eyes <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to almost famous a music industry podcast powered by the famous company if you're an independent artist or music industry professional for more information head to www.thefamouscompany.com